You're listening to Titan Nature's Yellowstone, a podcast for those that don't get out, can't get out, or can never get enough. Sponsored by Think Tank Photo. Think Tank Photo designs camera carrying solutions for working professionals. Welcome to another episode of Titan Nature's Yellowstone. This is Adam Brubaker. Hey, I wanted to give a shout out first. Uh, the last few days, this last week, I've had a couple people come up to me and, you know, mention that they've been listening to the podcast. If if you find me in the park or if you find one of my vehicles, one of my guides, uh, you know, you white vans that say tied to nature on the outside of them, please come up, say hi. And if you do that, uh, give us your address and I will send you some swag. I'll send you a sticker or something. I appreciate people coming up and saying hi and be able to, to meet more people. So it is, uh, it's getting into the end of July. And I thought what I should do is do a little something different, not an update in an area, but people are going to be coming out and they're looking for wildlife. And this is a tough time to find wildlife. It is getting hot. It's unusually hot for this time of year. I mean, uh, we're not cooling off like we typically do. I'm starting the mornings. It's 50 degrees. And by the time we're leaving the park, it's in the 80s. And so a lot of these animals that we're looking for, that you're going to be looking for, they're what we might consider crepuscular or nocturnal or so these these different terms crepuscular means they're active at dawn and dusk you know specifically those cool times uh nocturnal means they're active at nighttime that being said you know any animal that you say is strictly nocturnal you might see it during the day you say it's crepuscular you might see it day it might be active at night but those are general terms so i'm going to go through some species that people are going to be looking for in Yellowstone and kind of talking, give you some tips about where to find them, how to find them, um, different things that you should have. Some of this is going to be repeats. I've been listening to the different episodes. I'm going to throw in some safety things in there as well. And let's start with one of the coolest animals in the park. I know you're thinking, yes, he's going to talk about wolves first. I'm not. I love wolves, but I want to mention bison. And I'm going to mention bison because sometimes they are underrated. They are one of the coolest animals in the park. Here you have this 2,000-pound animal that can run 35 miles per hour, jump six vertical feet. They're muscular because there's, you know, honestly, there's a lot of them in the park. There's about 5,000. You can see them just about everywhere. Sometimes people miss them. You know, if you're just driving an old faithful and back, you might see one. If you go to Hayden Valley, you're going to see maybe a couple hundred. Uh, if you go north to Lamar Valley, you might see a thousand or more. And so the, it's it's just, it's an underrated animal. You know, it doesn't have teeth, but after people get to know it and people see it in the park, I, like, I get a lot of people on these tours that they, it's, you know, it's one of the coolest things they've seen and one of their favorite species that they see on these wildlife tours sometimes. So a little bit about the bison. I mean, just a couple episodes ago, you would have learned some more about the bison from a a bison biologist, but I want to talk about, you know, if you're coming to the park, where, where can you see them? How should you find them? And a little bit about August coming up because August is the best time for, for bison. Now, bison are throughout all of Yellowstone. You can find them just about anywhere. I mean, even up on the mountaintops. Uh, this time of year, so we're talking the summertime, you know, we're in July, I'm going to be August. 
September here soon. The best places you're going to find them are in the big valleys. So Hayden Valley and Lamar Valley. That's where the, the most numbers are, especially in August in those valleys because their rut, their mating season is coming on. And that's where most of those activity takes place. And now they're going to move back and forth. I'm going to tell you that you should go to look in Hayden Valley and all of a sudden they're going to end up somewhere over by fountain paint pots and fountain flats, you know. But in general, those are the places to look. So if you go from, you know, let's say right now you're coming in from the West Gate and you go in the West Gate and you go to Madison Junction and you head south to Old Faithful and down to Yellowstone Lake and even let's say as far as the the south entrance right now in that area i'm seeing two or three bison two two or three big bull bison that are kind of scattered and so not very many in there look carefully you might you might find some but just not a great place to find bison right now and that goes the same if you go back to madison junction and you go north to norris and from there to canyon village or back to norris and from norris to mammoth and even right now, really mammoth to, to Roosevelt, you cover all of that area and you're going to be like, where are the bison? You might see a couple of these scattered big guys, a good chance you won't see any herds. You might see a bachelor herd, four or five males together, but you need to get further out towards the valleys to really see the bigger herds of bison. So that's one thing, you know, you're going old faithful and back or up to mammoth and back and not seeing the wildlife. You need to get to the valleys to see the bison. And it's well worth driving the extra, you know, hour, um, 45 minutes over to Hayden Valley or to, you know, Lamar Valley, depending on where you're coming in from to see those. With that, I got to mention bison are dangerous. I know I've mentioned this in so many episodes. Bison are dangerous. It, we see the most accidents between people and bison as far as the wildlife, I think. I, I don't know numbers exactly, but that seems to make the news more than anything else or the viral videos. And so bison are dangerous. Please give them their space, especially as it comes around to August. You might think, oh, it's about 25 yards. I'm good. Sometimes in August, when you have these bison that are really worked up, these big bull bison, they're in that rut. There's one thing on their mind, and that's the ladies. Uh, 25 yards can be a little close. And then also with bison, they're going to cause some traffic jams, especially these herds as they're moving across the road back and forth. Give them some space. Uh, if you can and you feel comfortable, try to move through them. Try not to park in the middle of the road. And if you can, kind of slowly, you don't want to bump any animals, but slowly start moving forward. And usually they'll, they'll move from you. I know when you're coming across to a herd of bison, these 1,000 to 2,000 animals on the road, it can be intimidating. But just remember, you, know, you could have a couple miles of traffic behind you, or maybe you just came through tra- a couple miles of traffic for that bison, you know, move on from that one and go to Hayden Valley or Lamar Valley where you're going to see more of them. That's, that's, I think, enough on the bison. You know, bison is one animal that you probably don't need binoculars for or spotting scope to see, you know, a good chance that you're going to see them close. But those are two great tools, which I'll talk about more as this goes on, that uh, will be really helpful to have while you're viewing wildlife. Next, let's go to elk. And so elk, you can still find them throughout the park right now. You know, elk is probably the most numerous animal in the park. In the winter, the count is around 8,000. I was talking to Doug Smith. He's one of the biologists. And there's not really a count in the summertime because we don't count them in the summer. But I think he estimated maybe 14,000. And that could be way off. 
Um, you know, nobody's quite sure, but there's quite a few elk in, in Yellowstone. So one of the more numerous animals you just don't see as often. Uh, I've noticed every day that I go in early on these wildlife tours, and even, you know, by 7 o'clock, it's still cool outside, going along the Madison. You can find elk along the Madison right now, all the way in from west to Madison, uh, well, from about 7 Mile Bridge into to Madison Junction. There are elk along the way, so cool mornings, and, you know, in the evenings, I've seen them out too. And uh, sometimes the elk, it's nice because it's, you know, mornings, evenings, night, you can find them about any time, but you're going to see the greatest number in the mornings when it's cool, you know, watch the the tree lines, you know, because they're at those tree lines and they're going to move back into the shade during the daytime. So places to see the elk right now, I would say, you know, mornings you're going to probably see the most where it's coolest. And from Madison, or excuse me, you know, Seven Mile Bridge along the Madison River into Madison Junction, um, going south to Old Faithful, I'm typically not that way in the mornings. Um, I just, I think that's going to be a little tougher to see them through there in the mornings. But if you go from Madison North to Norris, there's a couple places, in the, you know, like Gibbon Meadows and place just up from that called Elk Park, um, watching those areas form in the morning. And there seems to be quite a few between Norris and Mammoth. Uh, the closer you get to Mammoth, typically the more elk you see. So watch the tree lines like at Grizzly Lake and all through that area, you can you can find them scattered. And then down through Hayden Valley, uh, you can especially on the, as you're traveling, you know, south on that uh, east side of the road on the tree lines, you see them more on that side, opposite side, you know, across the river than I do on the western side. Two places to really watch for, I would say, is kind of right around from Canyon Lodge down to uh, the bridge, the Chittenden Bridge that crosses the Yellowstone River up to the Wapiti Lake Trailhead. And in that section around the canyon, there are a couple big bull elk that are hanging out. And so they'll be close to the road uh, a lot of times, so you can get some good looks at them. And also at the Bridge Bay Campground, as you pass that road along there, along Bridge Bay and the the lake, watch because there's a, there's a group of bull elk that hang out there too. There's a good chance to see bull elk and just not seeing them as much other places out and about. Those are two groups to see bull elk. Uh, the cow elk, again, around the lake um, from Canyon down around the lake is a great place all the way to West Thumb and hanging around the West Thumb Geyser Basin. You can find elk and good mornings are best, but throughout the day. Uh, Mammoth is probably like the almost guaranteed place to see elk. Uh, they hang out just around the hotel and the you know, the gift shops and the visitor center, this whole community, you can find elk through that area. And that's, again, almost any time of the day. You know, you'll be walking around Mammoth, looking at the hot springs, and all of a sudden there's an elk there. And so it's a great place to find elk. And as you go out towards Lamar in the mornings, sometimes you can find them. It gets a little bit more difficult out there uh, for a couple of reasons. I'm sure that uh, the amount of wolves on the northern range keeps them a little lower. Uh, so anyways, elk throughout the park, and that's another one. I mean, that one, you can find them close, but binoculars or spotting scope would definitely help to see them a little closer. Uh, so let's move on to, I'd say, the, you know, the next two big ones. Let's go bears and then wolves. So bears, where to find bears right now? That is tough. I know I had a couple guides out today, starting from West Yellowstone, getting up to that northern range. You know, it's a good haul. 
just didn't find any bears today. I think some might have been seen, but it's sometimes earlier than what we can get out there. We're talking the crack of dawn at 5 36 o'clock, and you know, 5 5 30 is when we're leaving the West Yellowstone area to try to get up there as fast as possible. But bears right now, you want to, most of them seem to be high and far away. So Lamar Valley, I would say, is probably the number one place. And it's a matter of just, this really comes down to having binoculars or spotting scope, getting out early, and maybe just stopping one spot and just looking, just watching up high. And at a distance, you know, we're looking a mile away. They could be hard to find and hard to know what you're looking for. I tell people, look for things that don't stick out. And sometimes it might be a rock that you find. And so that small rock will stick out. Well, then you got to watch for movement. And so those are things to look for, you know, movement, things that don't, you know, fit in. And occasionally you think, ah, oh, is that a bison? Is that a, is that a bear? You know, get an idea of what a bison looks like. Cause it's, they're pretty easy to pick out. They're going to be dotting the landscape, even up high. Like, okay. That's a bison. That's Probably a, a male, a big bull, because he's off by himself. So he's 2,000 pounds. Now, the grizzly bear, I'm looking for something that is a quarter of the size, you know, usually under 600 pounds, you know, three to 600. So you're looking for something pretty small at a, at a distance, and it gives you an idea of what you're looking for. It almost looks like a bison head. I mean, there's been times I have to stop and look for a second to say, is that a bison? You know, because that shape of the bison when they're laying down almost looks like a bear. Sometimes that horn on the head, you can kind of catch that on the bison and be like, okay, that's, that's, the, that's a bison rather than a bear. So movement is a good way. Uh, so grizzly bears up high. You know, that being said, you never know when you just might want to see one next to the road. But I would say Lamar Valley, search early and just start scanning. Uh, if you see other people stopped looking through scopes, even if it looks like they're looking at bison, it's worth asking. Uh, August can be one of the worst months or one of the best months for bears, for grizzly bears. It's, it gets hot and it's harder to find them. But if you have a bison during the rut that gets uh, in a fight and one of them injures and dies, I mean, there's been times when I remember a couple years ago I missed it, but I bring this one up a lot. And it was, I think, 13 grizzly bears and 11 wolves around one bison carcass all kind of waiting their turn. So if you see people stop looking through binoculars, it looks like a herd of bison. You know, maybe there's a bear on the other side of them. So stop and ask. So out Lamar Valley, Hayden Valley for bears as well. Stop and look. Spend some time in the morning watching the tree lines. And again, ask people. So those are kind of the two places. And then out around Yellowstone Lake. Um, this time of year, it's hit and miss. But that's a great place to try to find grizzly bears. And typically there, you know, you can get up high, let's say, at um, Lake Butte Overlook look at all those little meadows around. Uh, that's a good place that you might, or maybe the easiest place to find a grizzly bear that's close is around that uh, from Fishing Bridge for several miles going out around the lake. Uh, black bears, this time of year, in general, the best place anytime is going to be, let's say from Phantom Lake. Uh, so this is in the northern range. This is going east of Mammoth. So Phantom Lake to Roosevelt Junction, to what's called the Yellowstone Picnic Area, or almost to, let's say, the Lamar River Bridge, or even through Lamar Canyon. A great place to look for black bears through there. Kind of that area around Roosevelt for a couple miles either way is probably the best place. 
And black, for whatever reason, black bears, I tell people they seem to sleep in. You know, I've caught them at, uh, I I catch them more often in the afternoons coming back out, leaving Lamar than I do going in in the mornings for whatever reason. So that's, I would say, the best place to look for black bears, you know, occasionally along the canyon. But in general, that, that northern range is the best place for black bears. And again, binoculars, spotting scopes. You know, black bears, although tend to be closer, you know, you're more likely to see a black bear right along the road in those areas. They, they prefer the forested areas. I mean, you might pass 10 bears on the way, never know it because they're 50 yards back in the trees and it's so thick you can't see in there. So typically along the roads, you're watching for black bears. You know, they, they might seem like a, a teddy bear or something, you know, right along the road and you're excited. You need to stay in your car and do the same thing as, you know, make sure, you know, watch it for a second, take some pictures and then move on, maybe circle back around. Sometimes those bite, those bear jams where people can't get out, you got a whole lot of people that behind you that came and wanted to see a bear too. So just remember, you know, make sure you get to see it and enjoy it. But those people behind you are, are hoping to see the same thing. You know, definitely point things out. I always try to do that. If I'm at a bear jam or somewhere and where you can be out of the car, people are passing by, you know, say, hey, there's a, there's a bear. We're seeing a bear. I a lot of people, I think they miss it just because they're in a hurry to go see a bear. Uh, so bears, um, that's bears. Let's go wolves. Wolves right now, it's getting tough. Um, one of my guides, I believe, saw the wolves today at the den. Um, another one did not. Imagine, I mean, it's getting out early again. It, it makes a, a big difference being out there, you know, 5, 30, 6 o'clock at the den site. So I'm not giving specific locations for the den here. Um, you know, it's a lot of people frown upon that on den sites, but be it the Slough Creek area right now, um, it could change any day and then it, probably into Lamar Valley in general is the best place to find wolves in the morning. So. You know, at the Slough Creek where they, they den at, and in Lamar Valley, it's the same as, as looking for bears. But I would say, in general, looking down lower in the valley, just across the rivers um, and watching for movement. Again, just with your binoculars, not necessarily the tree lines here, but you don't want to move fast with binoculars as you're looking. You want to steadily kind of go through areas slowly and watch for movement, things that don't stick out. Yeah, it's nice because there are a lot of black wolves up there and they stick out more than the gray and the sage, especially as the grass is turning colors. And so Lamar Valley, Slough Creek is, in general, the best place to see wolves right now. Uh, Hayden Valley has been really hit and miss. There are wolves in Hayden Valley. Mornings and evenings, I would say mornings is better both places, but you can try in the evenings. You know, in Grizzly, or excuse me, in um, in Hayden Valley, there's a place called Grizzly Overlook. It's a big pullout. You know, it's the highest point, basically, where there's a, a log structure or a log railing around it. That's Grizzly Overlook. And then behind that, there's a hill that you'll see a trail going to the top. And I would say that, in general, is probably the best place in the mornings to look. And again, you're just scanning with your binoculars, looking for movement. You know, those are probably the two best places to find wolves. Wolves are one of those that are crepuscular and bears. Morning and evening is going to be um, easiest. That being said, a lot of these animals' movements are dependent on food. So if there's a lot of food, they might be out all the time. 
you know, if there's a little bit of food, they might be out a lot. If there's just amount, you know, the right amount, they might be, you know, more mornings and evenings. So a lot of it depends on the food and what's available. For example, the puppies at a den site, well, wolves might have to move throughout the day back and forth to provide food at that den. I don't think that's as critical right now as when the, the puppies were a little younger and trying to take care of things at the den site. But, you know, those are in general the two places for wolves. There are other places in the park, but, you know, chances are that those are the two places that you're going to see them. You know, those are kind of the big ones on a wildlife tour. You know, the animals that I mentioned that I haven't yet is also bighorn sheep and mountain goats. And so for those, it's really just the northern range. I guess bighorn sheep, you could also, out on the eastern side, Sylvan Pass, and kind of down the, the mountain to the east entrance. Uh, I don't explore that area as much. It's hard for me to get out there. Uh, and I have looked a few times, and I end up falling short on those. But I know I've heard quite a bit that you can catch the bighorn sheep on that section. Other than that, you're really looking on the north side. So for bighorn sheep, places to look would be the the section from Mammoth to Gardner, closer to Gardner. You have the cliffs through there and that big flat area just as you come through the entrance, the northeast entrance at Gardner. And so watch that area. And sometimes I'll be up kind of close at the, the Mammoth campground and getting my spotting scope and looking back on those hillsides. Sometimes up high, I'll find them there. So, uh, Right through there, you might get them right off the road. You might have to look high and far away for bighorn sheep. Uh, other places are going to be the cliffs through Lamar Valley. Uh, also at Slough Creek, above the den site, kind of in the, the rocky areas out there. Uh, there's some bighorn sheep hanging out. The Yellowstone Picnic area can be a good area seasonally. Right now, I have not seen the bighorn sheep come back over from the canyon, which is currently closed, so typically from Roosevelt up to Tower, kind of the Tower Falls and uh, Hanging Cliff area, you can look across and see bighorn sheep, but that's not accessible right now. And so sometimes on the trail from the Yellowstone picnic area going along the canyon, you might get lucky and catch them up high there. And so then as you go out from there, I mean, anywhere from Roosevelt out to the, the east entrance, excuse me, the northeast entrance. Just a minute ago, I mentioned Gardner. That's the north entrance. I just said northeast. Anyway, so northeast entrance, anywhere up high, the cliffs, um, you can scope and look for bighorn sheep. But I would say, you know, first watch Yellowstone Picnic area and see if they're there. Then the cliffs at, uh, um, well, the rocky areas at Slough Creek, cliffs out at, through Lamar, and then maybe Baronet Peak. Now, mountain goats, um, seen them throughout the park in a few places, but most consistently up north. Occasionally, you're going to get them at uh, the Golden Gate Bridge, kind of below Bunsen Peak in that area. Watch both sides through there. That's the closest place to see them on a regular basis. Uh, otherwise, you know, from about, let's say, Soda Butte towards that northeast entrance, you can find them in the cliffs through there. The most regular place is probably going to be Baronet Peak. And the, the light is typically best on that in the morning. And so you're just kind of scanning. You're looking for a little white dots that are moving. And they're a good distance away. You need binoculars or spotting scope again. So that's the mountain goats. A uh, couple other species I'll mention. Uh, you're going to see ground squirrels all over the place. The Uinta ground squirrels, they often get confused for prairie dogs. Uh, they'll actually be hibernating here within the next month. So 
they might disappear pretty soon. But up on the northern range, you'll see those a lot. So those are uh, ground squirrels. Um, I'll mention moose. Maybe moose should have came before the ground squirrels. Is moose are tough in Yellowstone. It's every once in a while one will pop up somewhere on the southern range. I had one along the the Madison River. Um, this last week, I think somebody had one in Canyon, or excuse me, out in Hayden Valley. And so they kind of pop up different places. Uh, there's even a sign that's uh, new that's uh, an exhibit area for moose, I think, or you know something like that they put up between Norris and uh, Mammoth. I've seen two moose in that area, maybe three in the last eight years or so. It's a tough place, so I want it because there's a sign that says, talks about moose. I want to stop and look for them. In general, the best place for moose is going to be the far end of Lamar Valley, maybe around the confluence of the Lamar and the Soda Butte Creek uh, out to the east entrance. Further you get to the east entrance, probably the better uh, this time of year. Again, early, maybe late, sometimes during the middle of the day again, but those are going to be your best chances for a moose. They are hard in Yellowstone. If you're visiting Grand Teton, Island Park. Uh, those are great places to look for moose that you're going to have a, a greater population than you do in Yellowstone. Uh, let's go with some other species. Pika. Anywhere there's fallen rock in the park, you can find pikas. You're wondering what a pika is? It's a little member of the rodent, excuse me, not rodent, rabbit family that uh, you can find throughout the park. And anywhere you see this lava rock or this fallen rock, um, piles of rock places. Uh, I like sheep eater cliffs. I like what's called, uh, well, it's got a few different names, uh, like Silvergate or the Hoodoos of Yellowstone, which is um, by kind of above Mammoth or closer to the Golden Gate Bridge area. But with, with pikas, later in the day, you know, as it's hot, a bad time. When it's cool in the morning, they don't do very good above uh, temperatures of 70 degrees. When it's coolest out, you want to look for them. Uh, badgers, that's a good one. There's been a couple badgers done this year that's been good. I would say in general, that northern range, Blue Creek Road, I would watch that. This time of year, it gets tougher because they're you know, going to be active in, well, I think they're more of a nocturnal or maybe a crepuscular animal. Uh, you just never know where you're going to see them, but that Slough Creek Road is probably the, the best bet in general in Yellowstone. I'm trying to think of other species that I should mention, you know, are on top of that list that you might find in the park. Oh, pronghorn. Uh, that's a big one. Pronghorn, also known as North American antelope. They got that name because they have a pronghorn. And the best place to find them is from Gardner out through Lamar Valley to, I would say, about uh, Pebble Creek picnic area or camping spot. Um, you're really only going to find those on the northern range. They haven't made it. I've never seen them in Hayden Valley. They haven't been down that way to that northern range. And August gets good for them. You see a little bit more activity. It's kind of when you see them at their fastest. They're going into the rut as well, and they can reach uh, very high speeds of up to 60 miles per hour. Uh, coyotes, I guess I should mention. Really, coyotes anywhere in the park. You know, I would say this time of year, probably seen them more up north around in the Lamar area, but you can see them anywhere. They're one of those animals that are very adaptable. Coyotes can be seen anywhere. Foxes, I would say, northern side of the park, and it can be hit and miss on foxes. You know, just the other this last week, we had one at uh, the North Canyon or North Rim Drive at Grand Canyon of Yellowstone, which was middle of the day. It was kind of funny to see it. You know, I'd say that northern range in general, 
occasionally get one in in Hayden Valley. Hayden Valley in the wintertime and Lamar Valley in the wintertime are terrific. This time of year, I can't tell you a place to specifically, if you want to see a fox, go for it. You know, it's kind of hit and miss on those. Uh, same with coyotes. They're kind of everywhere and hit and miss. Probably the earlier is the better, but you might see them in the middle of the day. I think those, oh, mule deer. So whitetail and mule deer. So we get some whitetail you'll see through the park. A lot of people like to see the mule deer just because a lot of the country doesn't have them. You know, in the east, don't they see a lot of whitetails. Mule deer are a little different. If you see them, kind of the ways that they stick out is going to have a black tip on their tail, bigger ears. They get their name because it kind of looks like ears like a, on a mule. So that's the mule deer, a northern range for sure on the mule deer. Around Mammoth, around Roosevelt, there are some good places that you can see them more on a consistent basis. And it's, you know, you probably, I see, probably see more bison and elk and heck bear sometimes than I do deer. We don't have a huge population of them that are at least visible. And, you know, I think those are the species that I'm going to highlight. I can't think of anything else right off. If I missed a species and you were hoping that I would talk about it, I mean, there are, what is it, 67 different species of mammals. Um, you know, maybe I should mention the snakes real quick. I always you think about the, the mammals. Uh, that's what I wanted to focus on. But uh, I'll go ahead and mention some birds and, you know, the amphibians and reptiles. So as far as amphibians in the park, we'll start there. Only consistent place I've seen any is Isa Lake, which is uh, just south of Old Faithful. Watching that lake around the fallen logs, you get these salamanders that are considered pediomorphic, meaning that they never fully develop into their adult form. They have ju- well, I guess they carry juvenile characteristics as an adult. So they keep their gills and they stay in the water. Uh, snakes are tough. Um, that northern range, uh, you know, I've never seen a rattlesnake in the park, although we have them. You know, around Mammoth is, seems to be where people will see bull snakes. Let's go with some with some birds. Uh, you know, everybody wants to know about the great gray owls. Right now is not a great time. It uh, will probably pick up in September and October for those. Other species, uh, you know, osprey and bald eagles are about to or have fledged. I think there's a couple still in the nest. One in the Lamar Canyon for osprey and out by Alum Creek and for a bald eagle nest in Hayden. I would imagine those ones are pretty close to gone. If not gone, it's been a couple days since I've been there. Uh, You'll see pelicans in the park. Uh, The swans, the trumpeter swans, the cygnets on Swan Lake. It's an easy place to remember. That Swan Lake for swans. Usually we see them uh, in the Yellowstone River, but I have not really seen any this year on, on the Yellowstone, at least this the summer, the last little bit. Other birds, you know, you'll see hawks throughout the valleys. Uh, you'll see osprey kind of everywhere in the park. Bald eagles watch the river areas. Uh, golden eagles up north uh, through Lamar, especially in the far end of Lamar, the Sioux Creek area for golden eagles. And let's let's call that good. So one thing, you know, I'm going to get back to uh, safety things real quick, and then I want to talk about you know, binoculars and spotting scopes. So bear spray, you know, if you're hiking in Yellowstone, um, if you're going off trail, especially in small groups, carry bear spray, it could save your life. Um, and it doesn't work just on bears. It'll work on bison, elk. You know, if you're feeling threatened, something's charging you and it's an animal or a person, I guess that matter that's threatening you, you know, bear spray, be careful, uh, learn about it, learn the effects of it. 
and but carry it in the park and don't carry it on your backpack as you're hiking or in your backpack. Have it on your waist, have it on your chest, have it somewhere that's accessible fast. If you're traveling in your car, I, I ask guests on this all the time in my in my vehicles, if they have bear spray and it's on their backpack while it's in the car, put it in the backpack and that way it doesn't accidentally get discharged. And so I always always want to mention that one bear spray, but binoculars and spotting scopes. So binoculars, uh, I think I've mentioned this before. Personally, I use Zeiss. You know, they're not the most expensive, but they're not the cheapest. It's a good range for me. I really like having a pair of 8x42 binoculars. Um, 8 is the, the zoom on them, I guess you can say. And then 42 is the, the diameter of the eye, the eye relief. Uh, I like those. They fit me the most. I like the Zeiss because they fit my eyes. I know I've had some Vortex, which I really like Vortex. I'll talk about them in a minute. But I've had a couple or a pair of Vortex that I've had before. They just didn't fit my eyes. I guess my eyes were too close together and the Vortex didn't go close enough for me. So, you know, it's it's good to try out a pair of binoculars. You know, as you get a pair of binoculars, all these binoculars, even the cheapest ones, might just have a rubber cup on it but have these cups that go up and down somehow. If you are wearing glasses, keep that down. If you're not wearing glasses, twist it up or pop them up. And then you'll want to bend the binoculars back and forth, get them to fit your eyes. And usually right on top, there's a little knob that's going to twist. And that is to focus it. And so I use the Zeiss. I've had a couple different pairs. Right now I got uh, the Conquest HD 8x42s. I also have a pair of Terra HD, which are kind of smaller, compact. Uh, I think those ones are an 8x32, which isn't bad, but I prefer the 42s. And, you know, those those can be anywhere from $500 to $1,000. So those are a nicer pair of binoculars, but I use them. It's part of my profession, and I do a lot of bird watching. I use them professionally and for fun, so I want something nice. What I have in my cars, I have, or in my vehicles that I use for tours, I use both Nikon, I use both Nikon and Vortex, and I do that, I started out with Nikon, which I've been very happy with Nikon, has a Vortex, nice thing about both of those is they have an accidental damage repair, which is free, so, you know, somebody has them, and they drop them, they break, they bend, whatever, I can send them in under the warranty and get them placed for free, and so I like them, I do like the Vortex better, um, as far as the size, they're more compact, a little lighter. Um, they they feel a little better to me. And then I've started using a you know a couple um, higher end Vortex, which I've been very happy with. There was one pair that I had uh, a year ago that just didn't fit me right. But others that I've had, I wish I had the which ones they were eight by forty twos. I think it's like a Diamondback or something that I had the Diamondback HDs. And very happy with those. And those, you know, the the little ones I use, which are Vortex, the Raptors, they they have some odd size. I think it's a 32, 10 by 32 or 10 by 42. So a little different on those, I guess you could say the cheaper ends, the lower end, but they're 80 to $100. And so I've been happy with those. Guests have been really happy with those. The, the more expensive pair that I got for my guides, I think it was two or $300. Maybe up to four hundred dollars, so you know a little little cheaper, but a little higher end. Excuse me, cheaper than the Zeiss, but higher end than 
kind of the beginner raptors. So I like those for, for spotting scopes. Um, again, I use a Zeiss a Conquest Gavia 85, which I've been very happy with. I've been using those for a couple of years. Um, I have three of those now. And, you know, you're looking about $2,000. Plus I buy the, the, the case form, which is another, what is $100, kind of a soft case that helps protect it. And then, you know, you could spend $100 on a $200 on a tripod with a nice head, you know, something that will hand move it. And if you have questions on the tripods or a head, feel free to email, text your, you know, call me about it. But I want to talk about the scope. So scope, you know, I have something that's um, 85. So when you, at the end of it, it's, you're looking out of, it's 85 millimeters. I like something bigger. It lets more light in, better viewing. Um, the zoom on that one is something like a 20 to 60. Well, it may not be exact, but it has a nice zoom on it. Um, again, same thing there. You twist the, the eyepiece up. If you don't have glasses, twist it down. If you have glasses, they'll always have some kind of focus. And that's a higher end. You could go higher. You know, Swarovski is probably a little higher and a little bit more expensive than I want to go, especially you know, a lot of people using it, you could go four or five thousand dollars on those, but they are very what they are very good binocular or well binoculars and scopes. You know, I have that Zeiss which I'm very happy with. They do very well, and then you know I've had a Nikon scope in the past. Again, I've um, looked at the Vortex and used some Vortex, and you know something about the five to a thousand dollar range on those, and the quality is is quite a bit better. Then the one that I have, it's a Nikon Pro Staff 5, uh, which I've been happy with. I've been using it for years. But uh, I've noticed that Vortex, if I, you know, with the price point between both of those, right now I'd go Vortex over the the Nikon on that one. And so, the, I mean, those are very important tools for wildlife viewing. And then the last thing I want to mention is a nice little device. It's called Phone Scope. So Phone Scope, you can basically get a case for your phone all kinds of different sizes for phones you can have, but then it has attachments. So for whatever the binoculars or scope that you get, you can get an attachment that will fit right over the eyepiece and you can use your phone as a screen of you to look through it. And that's nice. If there's something cool going on, you can video it or take pictures. Multiple people can see it at once rather than one person at the scope and everybody misses half of what's uh, what's going on out there. So phone scope, that's, P-H-O-N-E, uh, scope is S-K-O-P-E, phone scope. You should look them up online. It's a great little device be able to, you know, take pictures through a scope or a pair of binoculars. But, um, that kind of concludes this as far as talking about the wildlife and some tips. Again, reach out to us if you see us out in the field. Uh, thanks for tuning in to this uh, episode of Titan Nature's Yellowstone. And I look forward to meeting some of you out in the field. Thanks for listening to Tied to Nature's Yellowstone, the podcast for those that don't get out, can't get out, or can never get enough. Keep up to date with Tied to Nature and Think Tank Photo on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.